to this podcast summarizing the IAASB meeting recently completed in New York, June 19th through the 22nd, 2017. I'm Matt Waldron, Technical Director, and I'm joined today by Professor Arnold Schilder, Chairman of the IAASB, and IAASB members Megan Zietzman and Karen French. So welcome to you all. So to begin, uh, could I turn to you, Arnold, for some overall comments on our meeting? Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, again, a great meeting, I would say. Very informative discussions, in particular about quality control and group audits, but uh, Karen and Megan will speak to that soon. But there were also some other topics. Um, we had update presentations by the chairs of, on one hand, the Data Analytics Working Group, and on the other hand, the emerging forms of external reporting, which includes integrated reporting. Last fall, we published uh, discussion papers, uh, requests for input, and we got a lot of very helpful feedback. And I would suggest to listeners that um, they go to our website, the meetings website, because the presentations that they give um, are on the website available um, in the meetings. And then you can see the summary of, of the feedback that we got. Um, both, I would say, encouraging us to continue working on these important topics and also in conjunction with others. Um, and that was uh, very helpful. Another topic that I have to mention, of course, is um, we had a joint meeting of our steering committee, kind of an executive committee, and the so-called planning committee, which is basically the same of the ethics board. That's the first time that we did that in history. And we were also joined by the chair and deputy chair of the Education Standards Board. And um, this was to prepare for a joint meeting of the two boards, the Ethics Board and the Auditing Board, in September. So we went through a lot of issues like uh, cooperation, and how do we do that, and, and where do you need to, to work together, um, and what topics are coming to the table. So all of that will come back in September, but I think it was a very encouraging start of a more intense uh, collaboration with uh, the Ethics Board, but also the Education Board. And an example of that cooperation is our joint working group on professional skepticism, which is led by uh, IAASB member Annette Keuler. It comprises members of the three standard-setting boards. And the IAASB today agreed as the other two boards had done already this week, um, to a joint publication from this working group to have a high-level overview of, 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 let's say, lessons learned, recommendations picked up on the topic of professional skepticism, and also, again, a very high-level overview of what the three boards are having on their agenda to further deal with these issues. It's high level, it's, you will not be used to this kind of uh, very short publication, but it's informative, I think, and we will continue working on these topics. And examples of those are, of course, the more detailed discussions that we have on several setting, setting projects, like uh, 540 on accounting estimates, bringing more of, let's say, specific application of professional skepticism into those standards. And finally, I would like to mention that we heard a very interesting update about ISA adoption. Uh, on one hand, we were told that uh, Germany is, is coming very close to that um, by adopting translated ISAs. 
and also some modifications to for technical reasons in the audit reporting series, so that's important. Um, but also very interesting, in Francophone Africa, there is the so-called OHADA group, which comprises 17 Francophone countries in Africa. And this OHADA group um, has agreed, these, these 17 countries, their, their governments have agreed to officially adopt the ISAs and other standards. And that brings the number of jurisdictions that um, are committed to using the uh, ISAs from 113 currently to 124, and maybe with the perspective of Germany being 125 next year. So all great developments. And the last point is we were also joined by our new chair of our consultative advisory group, Jim Dawking, and it was great to have him. Let me stop there, Matt, but these are some important points to share. Okay, yeah, well, thank you, Arnold. I appreciate that. You, um, you mentioned at the beginning of your remarks how much this week was focused on quality control. Of course, there is a close relationships, relationship between quality control at the firm level, which is addressed in ISQC1, and quality control at the engagement level, which is addressed in ISA 220. And in fact, this week, for the first time, the board saw a draft outline of the new ISQC1 um, document and the incorporation of the quality management approach to managing quality at the firm level. And this uh, particular document and discussion was pretty lively around the table. And so what I'd like to do now is turn to Karen, who is the chair of the Quality Control Task Force, to tell us a little bit about the board's discussion around this topic. So Karen, can you uh, give us some highlights, please? Sure, Matt. Uh, thank you. And I would be happy to um, give a brief update. In overall, the board supported the general direction proposed by the Quality Control Task Force uh, in relation to this new document you mentioned, the ISQC-1. The board emphasized the importance of um, continuing to outreach and outreach with a variety of stakeholders so that we get the input on the practicality of the proposals. Uh, this is particularly important as we lead up to a drafting and exposure uh, document. On the topic of robustness and scalability, uh, we had a lively discussion about this and the board discussed that, that we need to get that balance right between keeping the standard robust but also enhancing scalability of the standard. Uh, we did hear some different views about the extent to which we should keep the extant requirements in ISQC-1. Uh, we heard some views about whether we should retain those, should we enhance them, or should the, um, those uh, requirements be lightened. There were some suggestions from the board to explore the possibility of a document that explains the application or the implementation of the standard. That document would also provide examples and it could be very useful to accompany uh, the exposure draft. The board also continued to encourage the consideration of how the various proposals would apply to SNPs, and they encouraged the task force to explore the possibility of including more conditional requirements that would relate to SNPs, and to also help clarify how a system of quality management applies in an SNP uh, situation. The board discussed the overall objective of ISQC-1, and we discussed whether it is appropriate that it remain focused on compliance with professional standards, or whether the uh, objectives should be broadened to reflect a more aspirational goal of quality. 
on the topic of governance and leadership the board was generally supportive of introducing governance principles however there were some reservations about how again these would apply to s and p s there were some specific recommendations on the principles that we need to look at including the use of the term public interest within those principles on the topic of leadership the board explored who within leadership is responsible and what are they responsible for when we talk about a system of quality management and they gave us some further suggestions for the task force to think about in the area of information and communication the board supported the direction of the task force they supported looking at and reinforcing the two way nature of communication and also emphasizing that it's an iterative and an ongoing process the board provided various recommendations including enhancing the granularity of the quality control task forces proposed requirements and encourage us to focus more on the purpose of the information and what types of decisions may be made on that information they also encourage the quality control task force to further enhance the proposals regarding communication with external parties with respect to the quality management process the board overall supported the direction that the task force is recommending and they encourage the task force to work towards getting to an appropriate level of granularity the level of granularity between the quality objectives the quality risks and the responses the board was generally of the view that the elements in extant isqc1 should somehow be retained in the revised standard although these would need to be further developed and built out there was also some discussion around the concept of reasonable assurance there was a suggestion to clarify how deficiencies in the system of quality management may impact the overall objective we also heard recommendations that maybe we need to look at a threshold in terms of identifying quality risk and the board also encouraged the task force to think about the use of visuals graphics diagrams when we're trying to explain and presenting the quality management process on the topic of monitoring and remediation the board discussed the monitoring and remediation process proposed by the task force and were generally the board was supportive the board sought more clarity around the proposals in relation to the root cause analysis and they also provided suggestions as to how to establish requirements in this regard we were also encouraged to bring more emphasis to what we call in-flight reviews and the recognition that other information may indicate deficiencies in the system of quality management on developing a separate standard for EQCR the board reached a conclusion that the requirements related to the performance of engagement quality control reviews should be placed in a separate standard and this would be another firm level quality control standard so Matt I think that summarizes the quality control discussions okay thank you Karen well obviously there are many firms that form part of a network which may have implications for the firm systems of quality management under ISQC1 
At an engagement level, the use of networks also has relevance, and this comes through in both quality control at an engagement level through ISA 220, as well as when performing a group audit under ISA 600. The Quality Control Task Force, ISA 220 Task Force, and the ISA 600 Task Force have been developing proposals on how to address networks in these standards. So I'm going to turn to Megan as the chair of the ISA 220 and the ISA 600 task forces to give us a little uh, detail on some of those discussions. So Megan? Sure. Uh, thanks, Matt, and thanks for that introduction. So yeah, so the whole topic of network structures and network firms is, of course, very relevant to, to the projects that we're working on. Um, and what we discussed at this meeting was the collective task force's views on potentially the way forward and the way to, to deal with, um, with, with these structures and requirements around the structures in the standards. The task force had started with re-looking, or not, I shouldn't say re-looking, with analyzing the current definition of network that sits within the um, international standards uh, and also is consistent with what's in the IESBA code um, and put forth a view that that definition did not need to be changed, but rather that the context within which the task forces should uh, should look at that definition um, with respect to uh, quality management at both a firm level and as well as at, a, at an engagement level should really be in the context of the, the policies and the procedures that are taking place at a network level and how they might be relevant um, to the firm or to the engagement. So the task force's uh, perspective was that the definition didn't need to be changed and that was supported by the board. Another topic that, or another big issue that the task force has been grappling with um, really since the inception of this project is how to deal with networks of lots of different uh, types and varying different activities, lots of different um, jurisdictional uh, laws, regulations, what have you, that all um, are relevant to the way in which networks are structured and the way in which they operate. Um, so for a lot of these different reasons, uh, the view of the, um, the board and the task force had been that it, it was these issues need to be dealt with, but it would be very difficult, if not impossible, for the board to proceed down the path of establishing a separate standard for, for networks or for requirements that would be directed at networks. Um, so that was affirmed by feedback that we received from our invitation to comment, um, which set forth those issues. So the task force again reiterated with the board that their view was that that, that was not the direction and that was supported by the board. So. The task force did, however, put forward the views that there needs to be a process to more proactively consider what is being done at a network level that might be relevant in addressing quality risks at both the engagement level and the firm level. Um, and that was supported by the board. The board talked about um, the, the concept of reliance on network policies and procedures and challenged whether that was the right word, whether it really drove that proactive message as opposed to something that was more passive. Um, the board acknowledged the, the standard setting challenges noted by the task forces um, and generally supported the, the, the way forward um, that was proposed, which really was to look at this notion of how these activities may be relevant in providing reasonable assurance that quality risks were addressed. So I think we got a good steer from the board to continue along the lines that the, the task forces have been thinking about. Yeah, thanks, Megan. So. Um, the ISA 220 task force was also busy in working on proposals as it relates to quality control at the engagement level. So can you say a few words about the board's activities around that? 
Sure. So the ISO 220 Task Force has been uh, tracking very closely the work that's been done on, on ISQC1 um, and has really taken the, the charge of trying to look at ways in which to embed quality management principles into the requirements of ISO 220. We also have the strong steer that there needs to be clarification um, and more rigor around the, the responsibility of the engagement partner, so that that really needs to be made very clear in the standard, because it really is the engagement partner at the end of the day who's overall responsible for managing quality at the engagement level. So the task force presented a, a, a series of recommendations for how, this, um, how these objectives might be achieved. Um, and I think we heard some support, again, or reaffirmation of the, um, the overall objective, but I think some challenges from the board in terms of the, the practicality um, and maybe some of the granularity of the, of the proposals that the task force had been uh, put forward. So I think the task force needs to take the feedback and there was some very good constructive recommendation about how to maybe think about this in a slightly different way. Um, so I think we'll take all of those back and, and keep the, like I said, the overriding principle of the need to strengthen the engagement partners' leadership responsibilities for thinking about all the different resources that might be brought to bear and that might need to be brought to bear in order to be able to perform a quality audit, um, as well as to think about the, the importance of in effective two-way communication about relevant matters throughout the engagement, so that's within the, within the engagement team, between the partner and the firm, um, and then also with, with external parties. So I think a little bit similar to, to what Karen mentioned with ISQC1 to deal with that aspect. So I think the board at the, at the end um, agreed again with the overall objectives of the task force, but there's probably a little bit more thought to do or thought to be done in terms of how those uh, principles will be actually embedded and how the objectives will be accomplished. Okay, uh, th thanks Megan, but we're gonna keep you going here a little bit uh, and ask you to uh, give us an update on group audits because I know there's been some work in that area, so some thoughts on that, please. Sure, and the Group Audits Task Force has continued to work um, on, the, on, on the group audit specific issues, but you know this one is complex, obviously recognizing that the, uh, the group audits uh, standard really sits on top of the other two standards that we've just talked about, so it really needs to be um, taking those principles in ISQC1 and ISO 220 and then applying, maybe more specifically ISO 220, but applying that in the context of a group audit. So um, there is, and then in addition to that, there are, I think, what the Group Audits Task Force would say, discrete group audit issues around how we might scope a group audit, how we might think about risk, how we might um, think about component materiality, for example, issues around the consolidation and subconsolidation process. And there's been um, a lot of ongoing discussion by the task force um, about those issues in light of the responses that we got to the ITC where those issues were teed up. So although we didn't have a detailed discussion at, at this meeting about all of those things, um, the, the, the board was um, supportive of the ongoing direction of the task force and reiterated the importance of the, the group audits task force staying very closely connected to the work that's been done at the ISA 220 level, um, but not only on the quality control side, also acknowledged the, um, the other project that we, that we have, which we didn't talk about at this meeting, um, ISA 315, um, which is our fundamental risk assessment standard and really how important it was to, to also keep connected there because as we as we think through some of the concepts and, and, and issues in 315, they're going to have a ripple effect on, um, on 600. So 
The other thing that the Group Audits Task Force uh, put forward as a proposal was that um, it might be a good time for us to put out a, a short project update that would just explain um, the activities of the Group Audits Task Force, which might not be as visible as some of the other um, task forces' activities, um, and really just explain then to external stakeholders the progress that has been made and how the issues are being addressed, including that some of them are actually being addressed as, as part of the other projects. Um, and that proposal was supported by the board. So I think we, we have a good path forward on group audits as well. Okay, uh, thanks Megan. Uh, thanks Arnold and, and Karen for that, those updates and um, on our week's activities. And as, as we mentioned, there's a heavy emphasis on audit quality in this one. So I know that the, uh, the stakeholders and throughout the globe will be looking forward to the progress on these um, particular projects. So um, thank you. I want to just uh, mention a few things uh, that the IAASB's next physical meeting will be held the week of September 18th through the 22nd, 2017 here in New York, and there will be an additional meeting October 24th and the 26th. In addition, the board will also hold a teleconference in August. In September 2017, the board will consider issues and have discussions related to uh, the, following the following matters. I mean, we plan on discussing feedback from respondents on the exposure draft of ISA 540 at the additional October uh, meeting. We're going to talk about 315, uh, quality control, the firm level and engagement le level, our new ISQ ISQC standard on engagement quality control reviews, group audits, professional skepticism, data analytics, agreed upon procedures, and as uh, already mentioned, there's going to be a planned joint session between uh, the IAASB and our uh, ethics board as well. Uh, we plan on discussing the feedback from respondents on the exposure draft of ISA 540 at the additional October meeting. Should mention that uh, our meetings, as always, are open and members of the public are encouraged and also uh, should, may register as observers on our website. So we ask that you do that as early as possible. Um, and that can be done uh, on our website at I, uh, IAASB.org. Normally, the registration period closes two weeks prior to the start. So with that, this concludes the podcast of our, of our meeting. And uh, to mention also that our meeting highlights and full audio recording of the board discussions will be available on the IAASB website. And, and further to mention that we invite you to follow us on Twitter, and you can find us at, at IAASB uh, underscore news. So thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to, uh, to our next round of meetings.